All right, guys, we are in Lesson 20. We're progressing right along. We're in Chapter 12 of the Book of Revelation, so if you want to turn there. we Let me just kind of bring you up to speed with where we're at. We are looking at the things that are to come into the future, and we've been looking at really what John has seen, the Revelation, and what he sees in the future is a series of judgments. So he saw the sealed judgments, and so there were six immediate judgments, and then the seventh seal revealed the seven trumpet judgments, which we saw that some of those, there were the three woes included in those, and they were pretty devastating. In fact, the third woe is the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And what we're going to see is that that seventh trumpet is going to reveal to us later what it is. But right now, in chapter 12, John sees something else that he needs to report to us. He's going to see, we're going to look at it today, the woman, the dragon, and the child. And so we're going to look at verses 1 through 17 of Lesson 20. Now, we're really progressing right along here. We're going to, get, we're going to be done here soon. So we're, we're, we're looking at Lesson 20 here. We only got nine more lessons after this, and then we'll be done with the book of Revelation. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, he sees the woman. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Okay, so let's, first of all, the appearance of the great sign. John sees a great sign that was a symbol of what God is about to reveal. John sees a great sign that was a symbol of what God is about to reveal. John sees a great sign that it was a symbol of what God is about to reveal. So we see that there in the first part of verse 1. Then he sees a woman. John sees a woman who symbolizes Israel. Now let me just stop for a moment. There, one of the big debates, why, have you, have any, how many of you have noticed that there are a lot of different beliefs concerning the return of Jesus Christ? How many of you have noticed that? A lot of them, a lot of them concerning like the whole issue of whether or not there's going to be a tribulation, a whole, a whole lot of them as far as when Jesus Christ is going to return, whether or not there's going to be a kingdom. And one of the big issues in the whole discussion of eschatology, as it's called, the study of end times, or the theology of end times, is the whole issue concerning Israel. Now, some of our Reformed brethren do not hold that there is a future plan for Israel. Does everybody understand that? So when you're talking to people, one of the key ingredients to understand where they're coming from is how they view Israel and whether or not there is a future plan for the nation Israel and so forth. We believe that there is, and we see that from the Scripture. This is one of the places that we see it, is that God has a future plan because he has promises that have not yet been fulfilled for the nation of Israel. Now, our Reformed brethren like to say that those promises are now for the church, but we view as that the church is distinct from Israel and that God has a future plan for Israel. Does everybody understand? 
So he sees a woman who symbolizes Israel. Now, here's what he wants you to see. The woman gives birth to a child who is what? Jesus Christ. The woman gives birth to a child who is Jesus Christ. Now, again, where does... Where does Jesus come from? What nation does he come from, folks? Israel. Yeah, he comes from Israel. He's Jewish. So I want everybody to understand that. When you see pictures of Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you, they are not accurate pictures. They are Renaissance art portrayals of Jesus, who tend to be what? Where did Renaissance art come from, folks? Europe, Italians. Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, it's, it's well known that the great masterpiece, the great uh, artists who drew those masterpieces or painted those masterpieces would have people sit to model for their pictures, and they, they would have people sit as Jesus and so forth. So I want you to understand, Jesus, by his very human nature, is Jewish. He's Mediterranean Jewish. So he probably looked like a Mediterranean Jew. He didn't look like a European. So I want you to understand that. So what we see here is, is that the woman gives birth to a child who is Jesus Christ. Now, John sees something else here. Look at verse 3 and 4. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, so we're going to look here and see what the red dragon is. John sees another sign of a great red dragon. He sees another sign of a great red dragon. Now, notice how he's described here. It really is not... It's really, again, we... The emphasis here is on the dragon, not how he looks. I mean, it tells you how he looks here. It says that he has, what, seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems. And so we don't really need to focus on what does that all mean. We just need to understand that there is an appearance. He sees a sign of an appearance of a dragon. Now let's go on. Now here's the actions of the dragon. The dragon extends his authority over a third of the angels. Let me just stop for a moment. That right there in itself should tell you who this dragon is. Anybody know who this dragon is? Satan. Because when Satan fell and there was a rebellion in heaven, which didn't last long, a third of the angels were deceived by and entered into the sin of Satan, which was pride, and they fell. That's what we call demons today. Does everybody understand? Demons are angels. They're fallen angels. And can I explain something to you? Don't go by what you see on TV. What do you mean what I see on TV? Well, oftentimes you will see portrayals on TV of what demons look like or what demons are in movies and stuff, in these action movies, and they're just big things and got big horns. And Don't go by that. You, you're, you, you're, you're not understanding. Because actually, they are beautiful creatures. The problem is that they're evil. You understand what I'm saying? We like to portray evil in hideous forms. 
But the Bible very clearly says that even Satan himself is an angel of light. So they're actually very beautiful. They're just very evil. You understand what I'm saying? So here the red dragon extends his authority over a third of the angels. Now this has already taken place. Because I want you to notice verse 4, is the word there, his tail drew a third. That's the past tense. This has already taken place. The text says this isn't going to happen in the future. The text says that his, tra- his tail what drew a third of the angels. So this has already happened before. All right? Now, let's look here. Here's what I want you to see. The dragon seeks to devour the child as soon as it was born. The dragon seeks to devour the child as soon as it was born. Now, this is Christmas season, isn't it, folks? When you think about the Christmas season, part of the Christmas story is that there was this king in Israel. Who was the king in Israel at the time of the birth of Jesus? Herod. And when the wise men, the magi, came from the east and told them that they were there to to bring gifts to the king, the newborn king, he's like, what? So when he found out which city they were from, what did Herod order? What did he have? Did he send a delegation there to worship? What was the delegation of soldiers sent to do in Bethlehem and the surrounding area, folks? Kill the children. Do you understand? So what we see here is John sees the spiritual aspect of what we know from the Christmas story. John sees the spiritual aspect of that in that the dragon seeks to devour the child as soon as it was born. You understand? So, now look with me. He's going to talk about the male child. Look at verse 5 through 6. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she was where she has a place prepared by God, that she should feed there one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Now, here's what I want you to see. He is described as one who will rule the nations. So this male child is described as one who will rule the nations. Let me just stop for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. Answer me a question. Those of you who know history a little bit, especially those of you who watch the History Channel, has there ever been an offspring of Israel, a male offspring of Israel, who was ever born, who has at this point up until now ever ruled all the nations? No. So this is obviously a child that is to come. Now, we know him, of course, as who? Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is going to rule the nations. So he's describing one who will, in the future, rule the nations. This child will rule the nations. Now, here's what I want you to see. He is, was caught up to heaven to assume the throne of God. He was caught up to heaven to assume the throne of God. Now, again, who did this, folks? Who ascended to heaven? Who's the only one we know of that ascended to heaven? Jesus Christ. We see there the resurrection and the ascension. Now, after that happens, I want you to see something. Verse 6 tells us that the woman flees from who? 
The woman will flee from the dragon because now the dragon is trying to destroy who? No, not Jesus. Israel, the woman. Look at verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place preserved for her by God that she should feed here 1,260 days. So we see here that the woman flees from the dragon. Now, let me just stop for a moment. From that time period of A.D. 33 all the way to present day, what has been the history of the Jewish nation? Tribulation, trial, Bruce says, suffering, genocide. Do you understand? Like even this week I was listening to NPR and they were talking about, you know, I guess Russia released a lot of files from that time period and really talked about really a, the collaboration between the Soviets and the Nazis. Both were basically wanting to do the same thing, and that was wipe out the population from Germany all the way to Russia. So in all of that Poland, Ukraine area, millions of people were set to be exterminated, Slavic, whatever, but mostly who? Jews. So do you understand what I'm saying? So there has been a plot. Now, again, governments are influenced by what? We've already seen it in the book of Revelation. Governments are influenced by what, folks? Satan. Demonic hosts. Powers. And so it's all part of what John is seeing here in this passage, that the dragon is trying to seek to destroy who? Folks. The, the, the woman, because he can no longer take care of the child, so he tries to destroy the woman. Now, here's the next point I want you to see. She is preserved. She will be preserved by God for three and a half years. When you take those that time frame there of the days, it works out to be three and a half years. Which, to be honest with you, is significant because we've already seen that many times already in the book of Revelation, and it's within that period of those seven years of the tribulation. So she'll be preserved for three and a half years. I tend to believe it's the last part of the seven-year period. You understand? Because what we're looking at is these judgments, which are right before the return of Jesus Christ. So we're kind of talking about she is going to be preserved for the last three and a half years of that tribulational period. Now, I want you to notice something, verse 7 through 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world, and he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been cast out. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Okay, so let's take a look here. We're looking at Satan being cast out of heaven. A war takes place between Michael 
and his angels and the dragon and his forces. Some of you right now are probably wondering, well, isn't he already here? What do you mean he's in heaven? I don't understand completely at this point myself, but I do know this. From the Bible, we know that Satan has access to heaven. How do we know that? Well, here's what we do know. We know that there are certain places in the Old Testament that reveal to us that Satan comes and appears before God. So, for instance, Job chapter 1 and 2. Remember from Job chapter 1 and 2? Satan comes and he reports you know, to God. God says, what you've been doing? And he says, and then, he, then God even says at that point in Job, well, have you considered my servant Job? Remember? The whole problem of what happened to Job came from a discussion between God and, and Satan. And God allowed Job to be tested by Satan. Okay? Now, he restricted what he could do to him. Remember, if you want to, you can read the book yourself. Uh, but the reality is that there was this interaction. We also see in Zechariah that there is an interaction between Satan and, and, and at that point, I think, it's Jesus. It's the pre-incarnate Christ that's being pictured there where he accuses Joshua, the high priest. There he's acting in the role of the accuser. Okay? Now, we also know from the Scripture that that is what Satan is called. He's called that right here in the passage, isn't he? He's called the what? The accuser of the brethren. Now, if he's just here doing his thing, how does he accuse the brethren? He's accusing them before who, folks? God. We know that from 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. If you remember 1 John chapter 2, My little children, I write unto you that you sin not, but if you sin, you have what? An advocate? Does anybody know what an advocate is? Well, it's a helper, but it's more than that. We know of it today. Like, if you've got legal issues, you go get a what? A lawyer, an advocate, who argues before the court on your behalf. That's what the word advocate is. Jesus is our advocate. And so he's there basically saying, you know what, Father, I've already paid that price for them. Because the passage very clearly says in verse 2 that he is what? The propitiation, the wrath satisfier for our sins. But not only for us, but for the whole world. So Jesus is standing before God the Father on our behalf because we're being accused by who? Satan. So Satan has access to the throne room of God. Now that just brings something up that we need to grasp of. A lot of us like to use the generic term right now that Satan is after me. Satan's been doing a work on me. How many of you have heard that kind of thing? You know what? I don't think Satan, he's not omnipresent. He doesn't have the attributes of God. He's a created being. I don't think Satan himself is coming after you. Can I be honest with you? If he was, you'd be in trouble. The chances are maybe that there might be demonic influences that are coming after you. But the reality that Satan himself is, I don't think so. You understand? Because... I think he has another role, and one of the roles is, is he's accusing us. But what we see here in this passage is, is that there's a great war that takes place between Michael, the archangel, and the archangel and his forces, and Satan and his forces. Now, here's, let's go on here. The dragon is defeated and cast out of heaven with his angels. So what happens now is 
a war takes place. Now, let me explain something to you. Remember what I said. Now, this is not your normal war, because when, war, when we warfare, people get killed. This is not what's taking place here. These are spiritual beings. They don't die. You understand what I'm saying? They don't die. Does everybody understand? Spiritual beings don't die. I want you to write that down somewhere on your page. Spiritual beings don't die. Does everybody understand that? Do you realize that you are a spiritual being who inhabit a body of flesh? Now, one day your body is going to die. But are you going to continue to exist? Yes. Now, what happens is, is this is the whole question that we present is, is when your body dies, where will you spend eternity? Because you're going to continue to exist. This is what the issue of salvation is about. So the dragon is defeated and cast out of heaven with his angels. So there's a war that takes place, but the forces of evil are overcome. They're not destroyed, but they're overcome because they're angelic spirit beings. Now let's go on now. There's a proc the, the identity is given for the dragon. John identifies the dragon as Satan or the devil or Beelzebub or many other names that he could have. All right? Now, there's a proclamation. John hears a hymn of praise that proclaims the coming demonstration of power. Look there at verses 10 through 12, you see basically a praise that there is going to be a coming demonstration of power. It's basically proclaiming praise because who is overcome? Who is defeated? Satan. Now, what I want you to see is, look at verse 12. For, and he pronounces a woe on the earth, on the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows his time is short. Here's what I want you to understand. Satan knows that he is defeated. Satan knows what his future lot in life is. He knows that he is destined for the lake of hell, the lake of fire. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan knows that. Let me just go ahead and explain something to you. There, there's something I need to correct because maybe you're here and you're deceived by, again, TV or Hollywood or whatever or popular thinking. Satan isn't in hell at this point. Satan doesn't even come out of hell. Hell is a place of punishment. When you go to hell, you stay in hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan is not the dominion there. That really comes out of the Renaissance period. I think it, some of it goes back to, I think the popular work back in Renaissance was Dante's Inferno. You know, and he portrayed different levels of hell and that there are demons there and so forth that are in control of that. That's not, you understand what I'm saying? That's not a biblical portrayal of hell. A lot of that has influenced our thinking in the Western world concerning hell. Because the reality is that Satan knows that one day he's going to be going to hell. And so he knows he's a defeated foe, he's angry, and he's mad about it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. There's an old fable that kind of tells you why does he keep doing what he's doing if he knows he's going to hell. First of all, he's locked in his sin. 
Have you ever noticed somebody who's so consumed with what's destroying them that they just can't, no matter what you try to do to talk them out of it, they can't get out of it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've talked to people like that, okay? Here's what I want you to see. There's an old fable. This fable is this. There was a scorpion who came to the pond, and he wanted to get to the other side. And there was a frog nearby, and he said to the frog, Hey, frog, would you allow me to hop on your back, and you swim me over to the other side? And the frog said very clearly, I'm not going to do that. You're going to sting me, and I'm going to die. Why would I do that? And the scorpion said very cleverly, he said, well, you know what? If I'm riding on your back, why would I sting you? Because if I sting you and you die, I'm going to drown. And the frog said, well, that makes perfect sense. Hop on. So they go swimming across the pond. Halfway across the pond, guess what happens? The scorpion stings him. The frog cries out, why did you do it? Why did you do it? We're drowning. I'm dying. You're drowning. Why would you do it? And the guy says, the scorpion says, it's all I know how to do. It's all I know what to do. It's all I know what to do is he was drowning. And that's the aspect of doubt with Satan, my friends. It's all he knows to do is to continue in his rebellion against God. He knows what his lot in life is. He knows it's going to be destruction, but he continues to do what he's doing. And so he's going to pour out his wrath on the inhabitants of the earth. So let me just stop for a moment. You know, we hear these things about devil worshipers. You guys hear about that? And there are people who do that. Can I be honest with you? They have a cruel taskmaster. They don't really understand. The reality is that they don't have any clue who they're trying to serve. The reality is, is that they may seek from him power and stuff, but ultimately what he's seeking from them is destruction. You understand what I'm saying? Satan is only interested in one thing. You need to understand this. He's very real. He's only interested in one thing, the destruction of your life, your families, everything about you. He's seeking to destroy you, your marriages, everything. He is a very real enemy. And that's reality. And here we see that John hears a hymn of proclamation that his end is foretold. He's done. But he's coming on the earth. And guess what? He's not going to be happy. Okay, here's what happens. We see now that the offspring of the woman is persecuted by the dragon. Look at verses 13 through 17, and this is where we're going to finish up today. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So again, he's after the woman who gave birth to the male child. Who's the woman, folks? Israel. All right. But the woman has given, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half. Again, that's time, for a time, times and a half, three and a half. From the presence of the serpent. But the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at a few things here. First of all, the persecution of the woman. The dragon turns his attention to persecuting Israel. This is why I'm saying to you that there is a future plan for Israel. Let me just stop for a moment. 
Does Israel exist today, folks? Yeah. I think it's very significant, and even some of the Reformed brethren cannot help but recognize that there is a significance to the fact that in 1948, Israel returned to Palestine. Period. Now, you may not agree with everything the way Israel does right now, and you shouldn't. But the reality is, is that they have a plan for the future. There's a plan for them for the future. There is a role. There is a reason why they are there right now. For instance, how many Hittites do you know? Anybody met a Jezebite? How many Canaanites do you know? Do they even exist today? No. But are there Israelites? Yes. You understand what I'm saying? There is a reason why they're there. And so the this, this Satan is going to try to make war on them. He's going to turn his attention to persecuting Israel. Folks, it's already happening now. How many of you know a democracy in the world where people outside of it are lobbing bombs at you and you're being portrayed as the evil force in the world? How many? It doesn't make sense when you watch the news. But if you realize that there's a satanic element behind it, it does make sense, doesn't it? You understand what I'm saying? There is a future plan for Israel. Let's go on. Israel is protected by supernatural help as Satan seeks to, to really exterminate her. Israel is protected by supernatural help as Satan seeks to exterminate her. I don't even know what the Six-Day War is. Remember the Six-Day War? Some of you are old enough to remember the Six-Day War. Remember the Six-Day War? Happened during what? The 60s. If you read the accounts of the Six-Day War, Israel was overwhelmingly under, they didn't have enough, they didn't have enough to take on the armies that were coming after them. Who won that war, folks? Israel did. Do you know what they ascribe it to? A miracle from God. You understand what I'm saying? There is a supernatural protection going on here because why? There's a future plan for them. They still are God's chosen people. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to grasp the reality of that. So Israel is protected by supernatural help as Satan seeks to eliminate her. Now here in the passage, it describes something as he tries to eliminate them by a flood and the earth opens up. That may be an actual event that happens, but it's something yet to the future. We don't need to worry about that. What we need to understand is, is that he's going to seek to destroy her, but they're going to be protected by a supernatural power. Okay? Here's what I want you to see then. That Satan then goes to, goes to war against the remnant of Israel. Now, I want you to notice how it describes this remnant. It is, they are who, look at, look at the last part of verse 7, who keep the commandments of God, and who what? There's another point of it. It's not just they keep the commandments of God, but there's another aspect concerning this remnant of Israel. Notice something. What does it say there? And have the testimony of who? So what does that tell you about these folks, these Jews, that are basically going to be sought after? They're saved. See, this is what I'm trying to say to you. When you go to Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, Paul talks about right now that Jews basically... Be they're, they're, they can't see it. But there will be a time when they will be able to see. 
There will be a time when Israel embraces who as their Messiah, folks? Jesus as their Messiah. That's coming in the future. And guess who's going to be making war against them? Satan. Okay? Now, next week, we're going to look at chapter 13 and look at the two beasts. Now, who are the two beasts? The Antichrist and the false prophet. So we'll be looking at it. Okay, let's get ready for the morning worship service. Let's close our time, okay?